Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Left of Straight Show with your host, Scott Fullerton, as we discuss everything under the rainbow sun, from LGBT issues to foodies, entertainment to books. Join us as we talk to some of the most interesting leaders and celebrity LGBT guests and allies on the Internet. So grab a cocktail, it's always happy hour somewhere, and enjoy the show. Now, here's your host, Scott Fullerton. Well, howdy, 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 everybody. How are we doing tonight? Welcome to the Left of Straight Show. This is Scott Fullerton, your friendly neighborhood host today. It is Monday, July 27, 2020. With me today in studio is our fantastic intern, Lovey. Lovey, how you doing? So good. How are you? I am good. We have a weird day of radio today. I made you come in late, and it's uh, we have weird things happening. We have a brand new show happening on uh, right before the show now. It's a new politics show with, uh, called Last Hundred Days. So we're going to have that as a lead-in every day to this. But it does stuff weird in our studio where we have to like hang up from the old show and restart in the new show. And it's very, very weird. So thanks for putting up with me, Miss Lovey. How was your weekend? So good. Taylor Swift saved my summer and my weekend and probably my life with that new album. I was going to ask you about that because I know you have this little affinity for Miss Swift. Talk to me about it. Tell me the name of it. Tell me what's going on. And uh, you've got to fill me in. Yeah, so it's called Folklore. And it's more of an indie record than her regular pop stuff. And she kept it a secret, and she kind of started it over quarantine a couple months ago. And she just kind of said, I guess I'm bored, so I'll put out the best album of my career. And then announced it Thursday night, or no, Thursday morning, I think. And then said, it'll come tonight. And it did. And it's literally her best work, I think, ever of all the eight albums. Were you able to were you able to buy it or were you able to just pre-order it or what what was the deal with it? Um, she didn't put it out in stores to keep everybody from going out to get it. So it was available like for pre-order and then streaming. And before it even came out, I ordered the vinyl just to make sure that I would get it. And um, you know, I'm glad I did because it is perfect. But I had no expectations going into it. I just knew I had to buy it. Nice. I like it. And so you were able to get it right away? Was it mailed, shipped to you Amazon, or are you waiting for it? No, it actually wasn't shipped for 16 weeks, like the physical copy, but I've been streaming it nonstop since Thursday gotcha. night. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Very, very cool. Well, that is a savior, saving grace to the weekend. Um, it's uh, nothing too exciting here in Northeast Ohio. We had a nice weekend. It wasn't super muggy and everything, just a little warm. So it was good. I was getting 
this uh, other podcast together and getting ready for that. But just not much happening. But we have a great week of shows today in just a little bit. We're going to kick off Music Monday here with our Monday Musical Minute and our special correspondent, Jay Knight. Today he has his own little interview of sorts. He is featuring Madison Olds from Canada. So they're going to have a little chat, and we're going to play one of her songs in just a little bit. And then all this week we're doing live guests, but we're only doing one guest. We're going to be one-hour show all week and with a live guest every single day. And today for Music Monday, we have singer-songwriter Jake Castro calling in from California. He has a new EP out, a new song about to be released. So we are looking forward to that. So it should be a good show. You're all about the music, Miss Levy, right? Oh, absolutely. Such a nerd. (laughs) I like it. All right. Well, guys, we hope you had a great weekend. Be sure to follow us on uh, social media. Again, you can follow uh, the show at Left of Straight on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow Lovey and all the interns at, at Left of Straight Radio. Let's go ahead and bring on Jay Knight and his special guest, Madison Olds. You're listening to the Left of Straight show right here on the Left of Straight Radio Network. Welcome to the Monday Music Minute. I'm Jay Knight. All right, everyone. Thanks for joining me today. I have a special surprise. I'm going to be doing my first interview ever. So... This should be interesting. On the line with me right now is the talented singer-songwriter Madison Olds. Hello, Madison. How are you today? I'm amazing. Thank you so much for having me. And I feel so honored to be your interview. Well, I'm honored to have you. And this is the first time we're actually speaking. Uh, Usually I just harass you on Twitter. So this should be fun. No. You you don't harass me. You bring joy to my day. Oh, such a beautiful liar. Okay, so um, just so you know, I did not prepare for this at all. Um, don't really have any notes. I'm winging it. Uh, so this could be really fun or it could be a complete shit show. We're going to find out soon enough, but I figure, you know, I've known you for a while. We're both singer-songwriters, so uh, this should be a fun conversation, I think. I think it'll be great. All right, good. All right, so... Um, well, let's start off by you having everyone, or I'm sorry, by you just telling everyone a little bit about yourself, where you're from, about your music. You can tell them your favorite color. I don't really care. Tell them whatever you want. It's up to you. Go for it. <laughs> well, my favorite color is gray. That sounds awful, but it's the only thing that matches everything. Um, I'm Madison Knowles. I come from a, a little city in British Columbia, Canada. I have been singing and songwriting for as long as I can remember. And um, I I live every day to the fullest. I'm as happy as I can possibly be. And life is too short to not enjoy what you're doing. So I am having probably the best time of my life at doing music. So that's, that's all you need to know. That's all there is to know, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's cool. That's good. That's good. Um, yeah, so what is the name of that little town in Canada? That little, little town, which isn't really so little. I say it's little because I grew up here, but it's called Kamloops, and we are situated in between a few beautiful mountains. We have this river that flows through us, and, and then it splits to two, and the 
Um, traditional name for Kamloops is actually Tecumlip, which means the meeting of two rivers. And it's gorgeous. Oh. We've got um, 36 degrees Celsius, so I'm going to throw a ballpark out there and say almost 100 <laughs> Fahrenheit. I have no idea. Zero wow. knowledge on the conversion. <laughs> but it is very hot. We get cacti, black widow spiders, uh, rattlesnakes, all of it. So we're, we are considered a desert um, location. Oh, wow. I, did, I didn't know Canada had this. All right. Well, that's cool. Right? <laughs> I learned something today. Yeah. No, I love Canada. You, you, they let me drink when I was 19. Uh, so yeah. I have nothing but love, have nothing but love for Canada. I, I, I'm from <laughs> Buffalo, New York. I, I'm 20 minutes from Ontario, 90 minutes from Toronto. So yeah, um, I've been to Canada a lot. So I love your country. Oh, amazing. Uh, yeah. Well, I was I was yeah. just living in Toronto the last year. That's where I was, and so that's why I feel like Camelot is a little small. But um, Toronto is fabulous, and I haven't been to Buffalo, but I have been to New York, which you're probably like, mm-hmm. "Wow, that's absolutely ridiculous! You don't know New York if you've only been to New York." <laughs> <But> <laughs> it is. I it have is exploring to do. Yeah. Yes, I, I imagine so. Yeah, actually, a lot of a lot of New York is is probably well. There's no desert here, but there's a lot of mountains and and lakes and rivers, and it's a very beautiful state. Um, it's New York City does not represent us at all. So just you know. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'll have to come back um, and visit then. Yes, you will. You will. Um, so as a fellow songwriter, I'm always curious. What's the process like for you? What happens when you know? Well, for example, for when it, when um, I'm writing a song, when I get that, it's it, I describe it as an urge. It just kind of, I just get this feeling, and then I just got to pick up a guitar or go to the piano or, or do something, and I just and I have to get it out, or it just kind of drives me crazy. So that's my weird process. What, what's your process? How do you go about writing? How does it happen? Is it organic? Explain it. I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, normally, uh, I'll, I'll get those urges and I'll write them down in a book or. If I really feel like I need to get the song done, I'll go just write it. But I love to come into a session and feel like a superstar with an idea already put together, which, which is awful. Yes. So then I'm like, hey, what about this? And people are like, wow, you're so awesome. Did you just come up with that? And I'm like, yeah, like I don't know where it came from. But, um, <laughs> yeah, loser. Um, but I um, – Usually, like, you know, I'll wake up in the middle of the night and I'll, I'll get an idea or I'll go about my day and I'll hear somebody say something to me and I'll be like, ah, that's a really cool concept for a song. And then I'll just kind of leave it at that until I'm either, yeah, inspired to just quickly grab the guitar and, and write it or take it to a studio and see if somebody else has more to add on it. And, and nor, like, most of the time when I bring those types of ideas, they aren't even what get used in a session anyway. Like I'll take it and somebody will be like, Hey, that makes me think of this. And then everybody's like, Oh crap. That's even better. Madison sucks. We'll dump her. (laughs) We'll keep this person. But um, no, like I, I think it's, it's so different every time, but usually, you know, it's exactly what you said, that urge or like, word vomit about to come up and you're like, Oh my God, I need a guitar to spit this on or, or something like that. Exactly. I love that word vomit. That's perfect. Yeah. That's, that's how I feel. <laughs> um, <laughs> so here's another question for you on, on the process. When you are 
coming up with your melodies, your vocal melodies. You know, you've got the song written. Now, I don't know your process. Maybe you come up with the vocal melodies first. I don't know. When I do it, usually I, I do the music first. I have an, kind of an idea where the melody is going, but then I record the song, the music, and then I will play the song, I don't know, over and over again for like three weeks and drive myself crazy singing every possible different way I could possibly sing it until I find the melody for the verse and the pre-chorus and the chorus and the bridge, if there is one, whatever. And so, you know, I, I kind of just nonstop listen to it over and over again. What do you do? Usually, um, so if I'm just writing with a guitar or some, some songwriters that don't beat me, like we'll just play the guitar. And I, mm-hmm. I learned this from a really cool friend where like, you'll be singing a melody and um, you kind of just put words in that feel right. And then you kind of write the lyrics along with that. And, and I think that that's yeah, the Max, exactly. Max, Max Martin kind of writes like that. Like he'll go, say hey, oh, oh, oh. and he'll, he'll put in words mm-hmm. that kind of sound like the sounds he's making. Because ultimately, like, you know, lyrics are super, super important. But people listen yeah. to music to feel something, right? Like it's where your mind and your body and everything come together in this beautiful, magical moment. And so I've kind of put less stock on lyrics and more on, like, how does the actual word sound? And, like, how does that make you feel? Is it, like, a big ow sound or is it, like, an I sound? And so I think that's changed how I write songs now Um, Mm -hmm. because I'll start with a melody and then I'm like, how can I hit this note? Like, what sound and what words is going to go? And then I'll kind of come up with, like, a little – I'll either take that hook I really, really wanted to write into uh-huh. it. Okay. Or um, you just kind of – you say something, like, you're going into a chorus melody, and you're like, I'm looking at a fern, and the fern fell down. And then I'm like, okay, that's my <laughs> hook. And – and what made uh-huh. the fern fall down? It was dying and giant, and everything around me was dying. And the fern fell down, or you know, whatever. Like, I kind of come yeah. around to that, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> if that okay. makes sense. No, that's cool. like, my mind's no, mad. <laughs> <laughs> no, it makes total sense. That's kind of like what I do too. I just make up words as I'm singing along. Um, they don't make sense. Sometimes they're not even words. And then eventually the hook comes out of nowhere and then I find the words that I want to repeat over and over again or whatever for the hook and whatever. So yeah, I think our processes are kind of the same. That's cool. I always thought I was kind of yeah. weird. I don't, you know, but I guess I'm not, or maybe we're both weird. I don't know, but it works. Maybe. So, uh, and you know yeah. what? I think, I think weird is what makes good music. And I also think maybe everybody's a little bit weird. You have to be a little weird to be a songwriter and sing and to be a musician. And so I think if you're not weird, then you're actually weird. <laughs> if you know what yeah, I mean. I think, you're right. I think I, no, yeah, you know, it, there's no right method or right answer to writing a song. And, and so I think it's all, it's all magic. <laughs> oh, all right. Cool. Very cool. Um, let me ask you backing up a little here, actually, you know, we're kind of out of lockdown where we are. I meant to ask you before, like, so how did lockdown treat you and did you go crazy and are you fully opened up where you are in Canada? I know Canada's handling this way better than we are. I mean, we're a shit show down here. It's, <laughs> it's a joke, but uh, so yeah. So how did, how did that all go for you? When I was in Toronto, it was, a, it was a little chaotic. Obviously population's a lot bigger there. 
Um, so I think they were having a hard time managing people, and I think they still are. So my, my partner and I decided to leave at the start of the pandemic so that we could come home, be with our families, um, stay safe. My parents have a beautiful home with, like, a pool in a backyard, and we're like, if we're going to be locked down anywhere, I want to get a freaking tan on. And so we made we made the we made the move back here and we were like scared to grocery shop out there and it was just like socially it was kind of getting a little over heightened and people were just really reacting to it and we come here and everything is basically normal. I mean people are wearing their masks and they're keeping their distance. Um okay. but it's so civil on the west coast uh of Canada just in terms of respecting people's distance and respecting the virus yeah. and washing your hands and doing your part. And so, I mean, I have found actually that my anxiety has gone down because of the virus. And maybe it's because I'm spending so much time tending to my garden. I'm, I'm journaling, I'm meditating, like I'm living yeah. this life of a retiree. And I'm like, I never want to go back to work. <laughs> um, but I've actually, I've been really, really enjoying it. And, and my dad and my mom have both been home too. And my dad owns his own business. And so we we usually play a lot of music together, but we haven't for the last few years just because he's been working or I was in Toronto. And and so um, it's been nice to just spend some time with my family. And, and uh, if the world's going to end, I want to spend the time with the people that I love. <laughs> That's true. That is true. Okay, well, good. It sounds like lockdown, you know, w- w- was kind of good for you, and uh, you didn't yeah. go crazy. That's good. I-, I almost did, but, you know, I held it together, so there's that. Oh, no. Um, yeah, <laughs> but anyways, well, you see me on Twitter. You, you know, I've calmed down lately. I've calmed down. Yes. I've been trying yes. to be I've been trying to be nicer and more, you know, you know, just friendlier in, in general, and it's working. I, I-, I should have done Is this it? years ago. I-, I-, I might have more followers than you if I had done this, you know. I don't know, five years ago when I jumped out here, but whatever, you know, it is what it is. Um, I I just had a conversation with a friend this morning. We were looking at the sun and and it was blue sky and I was like, we're so lucky and life. I genuinely think that being happy is the choice for for me. I can choose when I'm having a good day or when I'm having a bad day and whether I, I put stock on situations that don't pan out how I want them to be. And so I think, you know, they say that if you just like look at yourself and smile in the mirror, you're like 75% happier than you were before, regardless of it's a fake smile or not. And it's like seeing yourself smile makes you happier. And so I think as soon as you like just start to be happy to people, as soon as you go to the grocery store and you see a grocery store clerk, and you're like, Hey, how are you today? And she's like, Whoa, uh, I'm really good. Thank you. How about yourself? And you're like, Whoa, I'm really good too. And I just think that like you can create the happiness, that you don't normally see on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that you are just like so optimistic and bubbly and I'm loving it. And uh, <laughs> I, I just, no, you, I mean, I'm it doesn't, it doesn't work for everybody, but no, uh, it doesn't. Sure. No, if it works for you, it works for you. I just try to, you know, not kill people every day, but you know, Hey, that's me. <laughs> um, so <laughs> Okay, I think we're we're uh, we're we might be running long here. Scott might uh, okay, you know, jump in here in a minute. So why don't you tell us about this new single, "Best Part of Me"? It is it's blowing up, as far as I can tell. Um, it's doing great on Spotify and all the other streaming uh, platforms. So tell us a little bit about the song, what it's about. Yeah, 
Uh, so best part of me uh, was a song written about trying to find comfortability in your discomfort. So enjoying the moments of anxiety, enjoying the moments of lowness. And um, I originally wasn't going to release it or really do much with it. And the filmmaker had reached out asking if I had any songs about mental health. And I said, yeah, I do. And so I reached out to my friend who had produced uh, the songs that are coming out in the next little while here and said, do you see a vision for it? He totally saw it. I trusted him. We ran with it. And it's been getting a really good, a really good response from people. I think because it is a little bit more um, honest, but it's a little bit surfacey about mental health. Like it doesn't get into it too deep. Um, so it's more of one of those things where like it's a nod to anxiety or it's a nod to like depression, but that's not obviously like the main focus. And so I think people who who struggle with those things, but it's not their identity can really identify with the song because they're like, yeah, you know, it's, it's a light feeling that I have, or, you know, I can, I can mess with that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think you're right. I think it's, it's, it's got a great message. Um, I definitely think people uh, can relate to it. And I think that's, you know, it's got great melody. You're a great singer. It's a great song, but I think, you know, all of those elements together, um, or maybe why this thing is, is, is going gangbusters like it is. So, I wouldn't say gangbusters. It's like it's kind of doing okay, <laughs> but I'm definitely not hitting like the 300 million streams like the bees. Well, but no, I'll, I'll, no, take, but, I'll take what I'm getting. I mean, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Here you're doing. You're, you are doing very well, um, I believe, I, I, and I think it's only going to continue. And like I said, I, I love all your music. Um, I think well, you should definitely you. Uh, be. Um, I don't want to say famous. I don't know if that's even what you want, but you should definitely have more, you should definitely more popular and, and more well-known th- than you currently are. And I think it's only a matter of time. So Scott oh, is going well, to play. You. <laughs> you are welcome. Scott is going to play best part of me right now. I want to thank you again, Madison, for joining me today. Um, you were my first interview. I didn't prepare and I think it went really well. So you might you be nailed my it. Charm. Hands down. I... You're the best. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thank you so much. Stay on the line. Stay on the line. Scott's going to roll it, and he's going to pop us out. Go for it, Scott. Amazing. If I'm being honest, I'm just insecure. Never felt so good alone on the floor. Drowning in my thoughts, but I can't ignore that I think I kind of like it. I got a feeling maybe I should give it up. I know I know how, but I don't want to stop Wishing that it's over, but it ain't enough Cause I think I kinda like it I wish I could just tell myself to stop Let go of all those things that I'm not Remember who I was, I forgot I forgot the best part of me Look up. 
All righty, we are back. Thank you, Jay Knight, for introducing us. That was Madison Olds out of Canada. Be sure to check out her music at madisonoldsmusic.com. We appreciate Jay and his Monday Musical Minute. And let's keep the music rolling on a Monday music, guys. I'm so excited to have my next guest on. His first single off his debut EP called Child was a song directed by our good friend of the show, singer and songwriter Tom Goss. He was actually brought to my attention by our special correspondent, Enoch Miller, the Empress of WeHo. And we got to have him on the show, I told him. It's excited to have him on, talk all about his music. He has incredible style and fashion sense. And watching his music videos, it really shows how expressive he is. And the talent rings through loud and clear. Please welcome to the Left Us Straight Show for the very first time, singer, songwriter, Jake Castro. Jake, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. How are you, Scott? I am amazing. How's everything in beautiful downtown Los Angeles this fine summer day? It is wonderful. The weather is same as usual, so perfect. Um, yeah, it's a beautiful day. How are you? I am doing fantastic. I'm so excited to have you on the show. And we're going to have Lovey, my intern, in. Our, she loves your music. So we just got lots of questions for you, my friend. Okay, I have lots of answers. Let's go. <laughs> I like it. Well, we always like to start with the easy stuff. Let's get a little background for my listeners. Tell me about where you grew up and what kind of a kid were you? <laughs> uh, I grew up in Reno, Nevada, and I was a quiet kid, uh, raised in almost uh, a very strict religious background, almost a cult. I lived at the church, and I was homeschooled, and so, yeah, I was very quiet. I didn't, uh, I, oh I didn't want to do anything wrong. Yeah, I, I, I was a goody two-shoes. Uh, but I was I was still very artistic and musical and yeah, the whole nine yards. Wow, Reno, the biggest little city in the world. That had to be an experience in and of itself. And church besides, that's interesting. <laughs> I always called it the biggest little city. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Very cool. And uh, talk about. Was there a lot of music around the house through the church and everything? What got you interested in music? Well, my mom always says that I sang before I could talk. Um, I don't have mm. any evidence of that, so I don't know if that's true. But um, I've been singing for as long as I can remember. And uh, there was a lot of music in the church. I remember that I would, you know, we they sing very proper, very calmly. And I would always be like, <laughs> singing in the background, like doing Whitney Houston runs and like singing way too loud for no reason. <laughs> nice. Um, but yeah, definitely I actually fell into poetry first. So I started, um, uh, my mom was really into poetry. So we would read poems together and then I wanted to write my own poems and uh, that kind of transitioned into music. Oh, that is awesome. I love that. Mm-hmm. And talk about how do you go from this shy, quiet kid to this immensely colorful and talented um, <laughs> part of our LGBTQ community? When did you first come out to yourself, and when did you kind of first find that tribe? Well, I came out to myself when I was 12, but uh, I didn't take it well. 
So, <laughs> uh, you know, my uh, depression has always manifested in by, through laziness and sleepiness. So the year mm-hmm. that I came out to myself, I slept for like the entire year. I didn't leave my house <laughs> or my bedroom. Um, so uh, I kind of came to, I grew up fencing. So like sword fighting. And I saw that. I, yeah. So I started fencing when I was uh, 11 or something like that. And uh, I really just threw myself into the sport. I was like, I don't want to think about boys or how hot they are. Uh, so I'll just, I'll just really focus on being athletic. So I really threw myself into fencing. And uh, I was lucky enough to end up being, being pretty good. And uh, I, I did very well in fencing, so that was quite distracting for me for a long time. And then I didn't approach the subject of my sexuality until I was 18. So I didn't come out until I was 18. Um, and, uh, and my fencing had started to slow down, really. Gotcha. And where did you kind of first find your tribe? Did you, did you go to college? Did you find it in your community? Or where did you kind of start finding others to kind of congregate with and were like you? I didn't really find anything like that until I moved to Los Angeles. So uh, I struggled with homelessness from the age of 16 to 18. Oh, wow. Um, that, definitely was, that definitely wasn't my tribe. And then once I had kind of gotten my life more together, I was in Reno, just like looking around like no one was like me. And I, I could feel this little, this little monster inside of me that wanted to be singing and dancing and louder. Um, and I couldn't really find anywhere to express that in the city where I was from. Uh, And then I ended up uh, auditioning for a show called The Glee Project. And uh, I ended up getting on it. And they uh, flew me to Los Angeles for the taping. And while I was in LA, I was like, this is is what I'm looking for. I don't know really what I'm looking for, but this is definitely it. So I moved when I was 21. Uh, and it was like instant. I remember my first night out in Los Angeles lasted three days. <laughs> <It> just, <laughs> and I just, yeah, I found, you know, my tribe was definitely once I moved to LA. That's awesome. How did I miss Glee Project? That's where Alex Newell is from, and so many people I saw uh-huh. that damn show. Talk about that. <laughs> Give me that experience. Well, I mean, that had to I be was wild. only on the first episode. The episode where they're like deciding who's going to be in the actual cast. Um, okay. Uh, but you know, I filmed for like two weeks in LA, living in LA in that hotel. So it was um, it was a great experience. It was very validating because I had quite literally never auditioned for anything in my life, and my aunt had told me that because I told her like I don't think that I really want to pursue singing. It seems a little unrealistic. Um, and she was like, well, just audition for something. And so I picked that and I didn't even go to a proper audition. I sent them on an audition tape and they actually <laughs> picked how me. That's so you are. <laughs> Thank you. But yeah, that was very validating for me. That, that really um, changed how I, how I viewed what I was doing. And um, also meeting all those incredible singers, I was like, okay, they're not that scary. <laughs> So, yeah, it definitely helped me take this as my passion. That's awesome. Lovey, what kind of questions do you have for Jake? 
Um, I noticed that you're really into fashion. So, like, how do you make that into your music, like, with your music videos and everything? Um, you know, the visual idea and the sonic idea, the musical idea, they happen to me pretty simultaneously. So when I, when I write a song, I'm already contemplating the visuals. I'm already, like, imagining what the music video is. Like, if I was a rich girl named Rebecca, let me tell you guys, I would slay the game. If I could make <laughs> a music video for, <laughs> for every one of my videos and I had all the budget in the world, you would see, like, everything happens simultaneously, the, the visual and the, and the sonic stuff. But my fashion didn't really get to, because I grew up in the church, right? So I was very, I dressed very modestly, and I dressed very normally, I would say. But um, I, I moved to Los Angeles, and then from L.A., I moved to London. And when I lived in London, I fell in with this group of club kids. And so they quite literally would get paid to go to the club because they were dressed up and fun. And they kind of took me under their wing. And that's when I first started feeling, I also was in London, so I felt like no one knew me. So I felt a little dangerous, you know? I was like, I can do whatever I want here. <laughs> and uh, nice. I, so I started really, yeah, I started experimenting with fashion when I was living over there. And so when I came back to LA, I was like, okay, now I'm, I'm going to assassinate everyone. Like I was like, I got this. And so the fact <laughs> I started really pushing my fashion and as my confidence in my fashion grew, the confidence in my music grew. So they, they, they grow pretty in tandem together. Yeah. And so your Very music videos are really aesthetically pleasing. Like what kind of work goes into that? And then you worked with Tom Goss as well. So how was that? What, what type of work goes in my fashion or working with Tom? Um, a little bit of both. Like if you want to tie those all together and then. <laughs> uh, the fashion stuff is is a lot of work because we don't have any money, you know. Yeah. <laughs> if we had a if we had a little bit of coin, it would probably be a little bit easier. But we we make a lot of my actually we quite literally build all of my looks from scratch. There's always someone sewing it, and um, yeah. So we uh, the inspiration comes like instantly, but the communicate communicating the idea and and figuring out how we're going to do it with very limited resources is very, very difficult, which is a perfect way to introduce Tom Goss because he, uh, we became friends through the music world, and he saw some of our attempts at making a music video of me and my team, and he was like, okay, well, this is bad. <laughs> and he was like, let me help. And so we shot at YouTube Space in L.A., and when you shoot in at YouTube headquarters, you're allowed to borrow equipment. So we borrowed, I don't even want to think about how expensive, the lights and the cameras that we borrowed. So that was a big right. way to bypass the obstacle of having literally no resources. Um, so when Tom directed that video, that was incredible for us. I remember that I came my first day, or, or my first day, like we were there multiple days, my first scene of the day, I walked in the room and there as I walked in a smoke machine like went off and there was all these lights and there was a camera on a dolly and there was a whole crew and I literally had a panic attack. I was like, I don't think I could do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tom is so, so yeah. creative. He's been a good friend of the show and he's done some really amazing music videos. 
from pools to his click video, which was like a pick your own story type video. He's very creative. I love Tom. Yeah, that man is a talent. Exactly. Well, talk about putting this EP together. I mean, music industry is so weird now where people are always just doing releases now every couple months. Um, EPs and albums usually tell a story. Talk about bringing this together. How is Child Your Child? How did you make it there? What was your goal for creating this EP? Uh, So the EP, the impetus of the EP was I was uh, for, I basically auditioned for American Idol. And I, um, when this, when I didn't get onto the show, because it's a long audition process, and they actually, the show asked me to audition, which was strange. Then they didn't even let me on the show, but whatever. And when that all went south, I was like, okay, I'm pretty much done. And my closest friend in the world, he said, can you try to make an EP? He was like, you can quit and all that. Like, that's fine, but just you should at least attempt to make one EP. So... In the middle of making that EP, American Idol reached out to us and said they were actually going to air a bunch of my auditions. So we were like, oh, snap, we actually have to do this. So <laughs> we, started, we started working, like, really for real on this EP. And um, the sense of urgency that American Idol gave us is really how this all got started. And my temper tantrum throughout the entire process <laughs> um, were very childlike and so I started thinking about what I wanted to write about what I wanted the EP to be called and I decided to call it Child because almost all of the songs on the album are directly addressing some of the uh, the the immaturities that I have my temper tantrums some stuff I struggle with from my crazy childhood um, so yeah, we called it Child because I am one still somehow, and uh, most of the songs on the project are are me kind of self-reflecting on my bad behavior. Um, Covet, <laughs> which just came out, is about my uh, my bout of jealousy. I get enraged by jealousy, uh, and uh, I have the next single on the EP is called Live and Learn. That's self-explanatory. It's all about me wanting to kind of grow up and do a little bit better. Well, there you go. Let's play Covet in just a second here, but talk to me. Is it person, places, things, all the above? What are you coveting, my friend? (laughs) Um, Well, I don't covet boys, so let's just make that clear. I think everyone uh, got the message a little mixed, okay? Um, (laughs) I get jealous of people who... Uh, I feel, because it's probably not even that true, have it a lot easier with me, either easier than me, either financially or uh, coming from a great family. And I get very jealous of people whose music is doing so well. I just want 17 Grammys. Is that too much to ask for? Not in the least little bit, my friend. Well, let's prove it to the world right now. We're going to go ahead and play Covet, and you guys need to check out the music video, not right now because we're in the middle of an interview, but uh, directed by Tom <laughs> Goss. So we're going to play a little Covet, and we'll be back on the other side. You'll see the Left of Straight show right here on the Left of Straight radio network. Opulent. 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 Meaning 
great wealth or luxury. As in, I own everything. Apple fell too far from the tree. Whole world can finally see. But I fix my plate, so I want in more. I kick out my shoes, I kick down the door. Yeah, my crutch. Tell me what for. If you deserve to be on the cover of a weaving for me. If you deserve to be on the cover of a weaving for me. today mr jake castro dude i love that song man in the video you and tom worked it out i love it dude <laughs> thank you so much yeah i'm very proud of the, the video the visual is incredible now we talk about um and we were talking off air a bit about performing live and yeah. do you did you always bring this expression into your live shows as well 
Do you kind of yeah. are you are these spectaculars? Talk to me about what a live show seeing Jake Castro is like. <laughs> yeah, the live show definitely is got a lot of look. There's a lot of fashion that goes into our live show. There's a lot of performance art. Um, I was I was being a club kid in London, so when I came back, I started doing that in L.A. as well. So I grew up uh, in the L.A. nightlife scene, and I would get paid to host parties, and I created my own parties, and I was always dressed kind of ridiculous at each one. And so when I started getting the opportunity to play live music, which I've been doing now for four years in Los Angeles, um, we incorporated incorporated all of the club kid stuff that I've been doing. So when you come to a, a Jay Caster show, it's going to be a very diverse audience. There'll be people all different races, shapes, sizes, sexualities. And then I will uh, get on the stage wearing something ridiculous, probably take that off into something else ridiculous. And I'll probably <laughs> eat pizza at some point. That's a big part of the show. <laughs> I like it. Anytime food is involved, you had me at food right there. I like it. Very, very cool. (laughs) Now talk about this um, songwriting process. You said a lot of this came from just your mood you were in at the time. Um, Do you hear melodies first? Do you kind of create lyrics first, or does it really just depend on the song? Do you you have a certain process when you're creating songs? Yeah. I don't really have a process at all. Uh, so the inspiration kind of comes as it comes when it comes. Um, and <laughs> lately I've been having like really bad timing too. Like this lyric will hit me or a melody will hit me and I'll be like on the train or something. So I'm like hiding in the back of the train, like whispering the song into a voice <laughs> memo, <laughs> looking absolutely crazed. Um, but I yeah, I that. don't have a set process ever. Sometimes it's melody, sometimes it's words. A lot of times it'll be a sentence, like, I'll think of some really clever sentence. I'm like, okay, this has to be a song. I like that. Now, do you do you try to inspire messages in your music, or is that just sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't? Are you trying? Are you trying to con- convey? Uh, I feel like my writing gets a lot worse when I'm too intentional with what I'm hoping the song is going to accomplish. Okay. And, and I don't know, I mean, uh, I, I try not to get too, like, uh, spiritual magic-y, but, but I sometimes feel like sometimes the song has its whole, its own soul. And when you try to tell a song what it's supposed to be, uh, sometimes it, it, it fights back really hard. And so I, I want to, I'm trying to cooperate with the song. So I don't try to have, like, specific messages um, but I end up writing songs with very specific messages all the time. Um, but that just happens. That's just a product of project product of me being authentic and, and writing my actual feelings. That's just a great way to say that though. I love the way you said that. Talk mm-hmm. about, I was, uh, I was being the social media stalker that I am and going through <laughs> your Facebook. It seems like you had a kind of a happy birthday this month. And got to do something pretty fun, a pretty fun project. Talk about that. Uh, on my birthday? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, it came out on my birthday. That was so strange. So I have been a fan of Ali Spagnola. She's on YouTube. Uh, she's a huge YouTube star. Um, and she needed a singer and a rapper for a song. And she reached out to Tom Goss, the director of Covet. 
And she asked him if he knows of anyone who could do it. And he gave her my name. And it was so crazy because when he reached out to me, he was like, hey, my friend Allie wants you in this YouTube video. She's really cool. I can send you links. And I freaked out. I was like, you don't have to send me any links. I, I've been obsessed with her for years. <laughs> uh, and then it just got weirder because she does these types of videos where she'll pick an artist and say, what if Bad Guy by Billie Eilish was sung by Adele, for example. And so she'll kind of nerd out on the song and she'll make an Adele version of that song. So what she did is she did, what if Kanye West had written Happy Birthday? Um, oh, that's hilarious. And so... We re- she readed the beats and uh, I rapped and sang on the song and then the video came out on my literal birthday. <laughs> That's crazy. It was That's awesome. So weird. Yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> it was one of the coolest things that have happened to me so far. Happy birthday on your birthday. That's a pretty cool release. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good so video. you got it worth check it out. You got to work with one of your idols there, someone you at least admired. Talk about other collaborations. If you were able to write for somebody, who would you like to write a song for? And who would you like to collab with and sing with, maybe? Oh, God. Okay. Um, if I could write a song for anyone, I would write a song for Rihanna. Mm. That would be amazing. Um, I like it. I want to collaborate most with this uh, musical producer, songwriter, and singer, Leland. Uh, Leland writes uh, most of Troy Sivan's stuff, and I'm just very inspired by his work. If I could work with anyone, it would be him. But if I could sing with anyone, I would create a magical spell that brought Whitney Houston back to life, and then we would have a very powerful duet to the Cinderella song. Woo! I like it. What about those, uh, isn't everyone doing those Dead Star duets now? Can't you just put your track to her track? I have literally no idea uh, what any of the words that you just said. <laughs> I haven't heard of that or, or seen that. But, I mean, I could well, try. Like I, I remember, I mean, who's done it? I, uh, what's that? King Cole. Nat King Cole. What's Nat King Cole's daughter's name? Um Whatever her name is. Gosh darn, I can't think of the artist right now. But she's a huge singer. And she sang a duet of Unforgettable with her father, who had passed away. They played his track, and then she played her track next to it. It was pretty amazing. That's true. I could always always pull the vocals from Whitney's song. But um, then I would have to sing, and then my voice would be compared to Whitney, and that's probably career suicide. So maybe I need to rethink this. I don't know. I think your talent is there. Thank you. Well, let's go into the next song. You are so nice to provide us with a little sneak peek of Live and Learn. Mm-hmm. So we're going to play just a snippet of it in a moment. Talk about how this song came to you and talk about this song. So this song was inspired by, uh, you know, like I said, I was working in nightlife and we threw a lot of parties. And I ended up in this weird situation where we, uh, me and these random kids, we just answered a Craigslist ad for a room. Uh, I was looking for an apartment and this guy was renting out like office cubicles, basically in this huge, like giant commercial space. And I was like, when I 
saw it, like when I got there, I was like, this is not what you said it was. But I was like, can I use this whole space if I live in that little cubicle? And he said, yes. So I was like, all I was thinking about is how we could rehearse in there and I could have a whole crew in there. So uh, two days after he moved a couple of people in, uh, he fled the country because he had all this, he owed all this money. So me oh, wow. and those three random guys who, got, who, who moved into these cubicles, we inherited this huge commercial space and we transformed it into a uh, like nightlife event space. And That's amazing. it was, yeah, it was so strange. And it was such a beautiful experience for two and a half, maybe three years. And then through a series of just a bunch of things, it all fell apart. And so I wrote Live and Learn while watching my roommates who became my friends, literally throwing things across the room at each other. And, and while all that chaos was happening, I was getting very emotional. I almost started to cry. And I just started writing and writing and writing. And so Live and Learn is all about how <clears throat> uh, it's inspired by that, that, uh, that moment and about how quickly our behavior can get away from us and yeah it's just a song about bad behavior and trying to get better as we grow i love that message well let's go ahead we're going to stay on live mic and let's play about 30 or 40 seconds of it lovey and just kind of tease our listeners a little bit yay <laughs> like the beat we're in the fire, and you can't know your cards, child's desire, like kicking me so hard, and all I remember, you bother me, I bother you, we're bothered, so bothered, when you bled, I feel it's something the reasons are keeping me sane, and you're trying to be all the things to see we're getting your name. That's amazing, Jake. Now, you have your fingers in so many pies. Do you do your own editing and mixing and stuff, too, or do you put this all over to people you trust? Oh, no, I have a full team. I would be a mess if I was doing that all alone. (laughs) Um, The producer of the song is my friend Austin Danson. He is uh, an incredible producer in L.A., uh, very talented person. And then the mixer and the master, mastering was all done uh, by our friend Brady. Uh, he is very talented at music and also an incredible makeup artist. So those were the two main uh, people that I made this EP with. And then my background vocals are sung by Gabriel Sierra, who has the best voice on the planet. That is awesome. It just sounds so amazing. Hey, talk about going to, like I said, you've done so many things through your club kid work and creating your own um, performances and creating your own events. You also did uh, foray into the movie making a bit. You've taken your fencing to a little short film. Talk about Mm -hmm. what's We Are Politics, too, with with Jake. Talk about the political side of you and the filmmaking side of you. film stuff is uh you know uh 
I don't know. I feel like making music is when you write songs, you're creating stories. And when you make films, you're also creating stories. So I feel like all of my work is about either telling someone's story or, or creating one myself. Um, but film, filmmaking stuff is, that's not my passion. That's just, I mean, if that were to happen again, that would be awesome, but it's not really my, my main thing. Um, the political side of me is, uh, is definitely another part of me that I'm very passionate about. Um, I was very inspired by the recent civil uprising that's been going on. I live in Los Angeles, which was one of the hotbed cities where this all really started. Um, and I, uh, so I was heavily involved with um, helping uh, promote this website called fightforblacklife.com. Um, and if you go to that website, you just type in your zip code and every uh, elected official that represents you from the most local level to the most federal level pops up with their communication, their emails, their phone numbers, everything's clickable. We also have canned messages. If you're someone that's really uncomfortable reaching out to politicians, we have scripts and things like that to make your emails easier. Um, so yeah. I'm very, uh, that's a, I, I focus a lot on grassroots political um, activism, I would say. Well, that's amazing. And that's the only way that things change, too. And I think we need to keep up. Um, this is a movement. That, I mean, I'm speaking from a white man's perspective, obviously, where it seems like this movement is catching on more than it has in the past. I remember two mm-hmm. years ago, Black Lives Matter you could get in trouble for saying it. Now it's actually becoming this movement that people are respecting. Do you feel a shift? I mean, there's obviously a long way to go, but are you feeling a shift while you're out there and kind of advocating for this? I'm one of those people that is, uh, uh, I struggle, I struggle sometimes with being a cynic. So I'm scared almost to get my hopes up, but yeah, I think things are definitely different. I've been to a lot of protests in my life and the energy feels very different. And I think, uh, I think also with the pandemic going on, people are fed up in general. And I think the general attitude right now is it's not now, then it's literally never going to happen. So I think people are really putting their foot down. I think that uh, multiracially we're all on the same page about this. Uh, you know, when you go to protests, you see people of every walk of life, of every religion, every race, every sexuality. So I think that I, I do think that this is different this time around. And I think that um, people are the, the, the smallest victories are uh, inspiring people so much. So, I, you know, I'm scared to get my hopes up, but I really think change might be around the corner this time around. Yeah, I think. Uh... I think you're right, too. I think the pandemic has a lot to do with it. Not only is it getting people's uh, frustrations up in general of life, but also people are paying attention. There's nothing else to do but pay attention. Yeah. You can only watch Netflix yeah. for so many hours a day, right? And exactly. uh, you, you're kind of forced into some paying attention and seeing this is how it is. This is how it's always been. You're just now noticing it because you have the time to actually take take the time and see what's happening. So. And I Hopefully. think the ruling class has, has always had it be that way. I mean, our work weeks are much longer than other places in the world, and Americans are quite distracted by necessity because we have bills to pay and we have so much work to do. So I think this was a beautiful 
moment for us all to be able to catch our breath and actually pay attention to something that doesn't have to do directly with our survival. Exactly. Well said. All right. Well, Jake, we have to start wrapping it up now. I want to talk about um, where you're going from here. Uh, Talk about the EP release. We're going to play out in a second with Pretend. I want to hear about just that song. But where do you see yourself going musically once pandemic starts to hopefully wind down? What would be your goals and dreams right now? You know, I'm trying to take the lesson from this year not to plan too far ahead (laughs) because we had quite a detailed release plan that uh, obviously did not come to fruition uh, through the pandemic and the civil uprising. So uh, I'm trying not to put too much thought about the future, but hopefully we have another album already worked that I'm already working on. Uh, The EP will come out uh, within the next month uh, after the Live and Learn release. Um, So I'm hoping that next year I get to go on a Pride tour. We release the full-length album, and then I accept my 17 Grammys, you know? (laughs) I like it a lot. Now talk (laughs) about, um, are you jumped on the streaming bandwagon? That's something you like? I think that'd be very hard as an artist not to have that feedback. That's one of the things about being on stage is having that feedback from your audience. Can you do the streaming stuff okay without that feedback? Is it kind of a chore for you? Talk about your thoughts on that. Yeah, it's difficult to manage. You know, I grew grew up through L.A. uh, playing live music, so it's been interesting not to have that. Um, I mean, the music is, as it's coming out, we're getting a lot of feedback digitally. So, I still think uh, I, th- I think that uh, you can still get what you need from the from the audience, and I feel like people are connected to the music in a different way, um, just through digital means. So yeah, it's working out for us. <laughs> very very good, Loviana. Do you have any uh, further questions for Jake here? No, but um, can you tell us where to find his music and his social media? Absolutely. Um, so I'm on Instagram at Smile. It's Jake, but my name is spelled J double A K E. There's two A's because my mother couldn't spell. Um, but <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but Smile is Jake on Instagram, and then on uh, Spotify or Apple Music or Tidal, whatever you're into, it's J double A K E Castro. So Jake Castro. Oh, and YouTube. YouTube, I'm on Jake Castro. There you go. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure, my friend. Before we go, give us a little inspiration. Where did Pretend come from? We're going to play out with Pretend in just a moment. Talk to me about that song. Pretend is my quarantine contribution. I wrote it in one go. Someone sent me over the piano beat, and I just started singing, and I wrote it from top to bottom in one one go through and I was sitting on the couch that I'd been sitting on for three weeks. It was the beginning of the quarantine (laughs) and, uh, and uh, yeah, we released it like three or four days later after I, after I wrote it too. So this is just our little uh, quarantine contribution, but it's done so well for us. Um, Definitely my most successful song so far. I love it to death. 
Fantastic. Well, congratulations. I'm excited for you. You're going to have to come back on the show anytime you have new music because I absolutely love all of it. And I just want to uh, make some room. So if you have too many Grammys, I'll, I'll, I'll make a shelf for you. <laughs> Thank you so much, Scott. It was nice to meet you, lovey. Um, I hope you guys have a good day. All right, well, stay on the line for us, Jake. We're going to go ahead and play out to pretend. Okay. And Lovey and I'll be back to wrap things up in just a couple of moments. You're listening to the Left of Straight show right here on the Left of Straight radio network. Nice. 
All righty, we are back. That was Jake Pastor. Crackle on the end there. Sorry about that, guys. All right, what a great musical Monday. Such a fun time. Thanks so much for our special correspondent, Jay Knight, introducing us to Madison Olds and her music. What a great little interview with her. And then Mr. Jake Castro, we got to be following him. Check out his music and look for his EP to drop. How was the, uh, your night? You enjoy the show there, Lovey? Yeah, he was so talented. Jake is so good. He is, and his talent is, uh, as you said, his um, fashion is half the talent. It's just amazing mm-hmm. what he comes up with for these shows and for the music videos. Very, very cool. All right. Well, like I said in the beginning, guys, we are going to do live shows all this week, one-hour shows with special guests um, and our special correspondents. So we will be here every night, 6 o'clock Pacific, 9 o'clock Eastern. If you want to catch our political, if you're politically kind of a person, we're doing our political show an hour before. It has its own little separate web address. You can look that up on social media. And tomorrow we are going to have our Tuesday Entertainment Minute from our East Coast special correspondent, Adam Rothenberg from Call Me Adam in New York City. And then my interview is going to be with Paul Ruggieri. He is a U.S. athlete. He tried out for the Olympic team, was an alternate one year, and uh, did not make the team the second year, but he has won many um, national titles all over the world. And he has an amazing coming out story to talk about and kind of what happens after you're one of these elite athletes and the, the training and the competition is over. And he went through a little bit of withdrawal on what to do. And so now he is in nursing school and kind of making a whole new life for himself. So it's an amazing story with Paul Ruggieri tomorrow night. And we are going to have um, our intern, Han, on the show doing questions as well. So, Lovey, thanks so much for a great show tonight, my friend. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, guys, we'll see you later. Be sure to follow again Lovey and the rest of the interns at Left of Straight Radio on Twitter and Instagram. Follow me on Left of Straight on Twitter and Instagram. On Facebook, it's Left of Straight Radio for the interns, Left of Straight Show for me. And you can send me a friend request over to Scott Fullerton. I like to meet new people. We will see you tomorrow night, everyone. Bye-bye.